This is DW News live from Berlin. Tonight, a dramatic escalation in the crisis over Ukraine. The Pentagon is sending 3,000 troops to Romania, Poland, and Germany to beef up its presence along NATO's eastern European border. Russia denouncing the deployment, calling it destructive. It says it will only increase tensions. Also coming up, Israel backpedaling on vaccine passes, saying they will no longer be required except at hospitals. The move comes despite exploding numbers of new coronavirus cases across the country. And countdown to the Winter Olympics, and the world is focused on China's human rights abuses and its skyrocketing COVID-19 cases. Is the actual sport in danger of becoming a sideshow? I'm Brent Goff. It's good to have you with us on this Wednesday. In a dramatic escalation of the crisis over Ukraine, U.S. President Joe Biden says he's sending 3,000 troops to strengthen the American presence in Eastern Europe and to reassure NATO allies of America's commitment to collective defense. The Pentagon emphasizing it is not sending troops to Ukraine, but adding today's announcement is meant to deter Russian President Vladimir Putin from invading Ukraine. The Kremlin has already denounced the move as destructive, saying it's likely only to increase tensions. Another day, another increase in tension over Ukraine. The U.S. is sending 2,000 soldiers to Poland and Germany, while another 1,000 move from Germany to Romania. The current situation demands that we reinforce the deterrent and defensive posture on NATO's eastern flank. President Biden has been clear that the United States will respond to the growing threat to Europe's security and stability. Our commitment to NATO, Article 5, and collective defense remains ironclad. The Pentagon made it clear that no U.S. soldiers will fight in Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said diplomacy comes first, but no options are off the table. We only think about peace. We only think about the return of our occupied territories and only through diplomacy. We will not give up a single piece of our land today. We will not give up our territories, no matter what the price. Despite Zelensky's reassurances, others are preparing to do battle if it comes to a fight. The Klitschko boxing brothers, one now the mayor of Kiev, both signed up for the army. We are not weak. And any aggressor have to understand if they do it activity, aggressive activity against Ukraine, he have to pay huge price for that. We're ready to fight. Leaked documents confirmed by the Pentagon reveal the backroom diplomatic efforts to avoid war. The U.S. offered Russia access to inspect key military sites in return for a de-escalation. Russia says it has no intention to invade Ukraine. But these pictures released by Russia's defense ministry showing joint combat drills with Belarus send a clear message. Russia is not backing down. All right, we've got team coverage of this development tonight. I want to bring in our very own Oliver Sallet. He's in Washington. And Nick Connolly is covering events for us in Kyiv in Ukraine. To you both, it's good to see you. Oliver, let me start with you. Why this deployment now? I mean, has the security situation changed or are we talking about 
purely symbolic moves here? Yeah, it's a bit of both, Brent, really. The Pentagon spokesperson, uh, John Kirby, earlier said that it's a response to that Russian troop build-up that we're seeing. Uh, we saw satellite pictures earlier today um, showing that uh, Russia continues to add forces to Belarus and, of course, to that uh, border region between Russia and the Ukraine. And that's a concern, of course, for the United States, for its NATO allies as well, and that is met now with a troop build-up of the United States, but, of course, in a very much smaller scale. And therefore, yes, in part, it's also a symbolic move, given that 60,000 U.S. troops are already stationed in Europe, mm. 100,000 Russian soldiers on the other side of the border and 3,000 U.S. troops. It's really not big of a number that we're seeing here um, uh, sent and deployed by the United States. And Nick, the Pentagon spokesman today made it clear that the U.S. is not sending any additional troops to Ukraine. So what does today's announcement mean then for the situation on the ground there? Well, I think it just shows to Ukrainians once again what the value of NATO membership is. Um, the numbers in Ukraine for NATO membership were not particularly high before Russia annexed Crimea back in 2018, started that separatist campaign in the east. And U Ukraine basically has been convinced by Vladimir Putin over the last eight years that this is an alliance worth being in and that it makes a difference being outside um, the bloc. Um, I think the Ukrainians have been happy to see US deliveries of ammunition, of weapon system, those javelin anti-tank missiles in recent weeks from the US, also from the UK. But beyond that, the Ukrainians are now very clear that apart from weapons and cash, they're on their own. And you know, in the short term and medium term, they'll have to uh, stand up to Russia on their own without boots on the ground from the US or other Western allies. And you know, all they can do at this point is hope that this passes for now and that at some point uh, mm. Russia will uh, be distracted and they will be able to join NATO or some other alliance that puts them in a more comfortable position. And Oliver, as it stands right now, we know that 8,500 troops are on high alert in the U.S. for a possible deployment. Now we've got 3,000 that we know are going to Eastern Europe. Do we know exactly how long they're going to be stationed there? Well, the official take is it's just a temporary deployment. Of course, we don't know for how long because what the U.S. Uh, eventually wants to reach is an agreement following the diplomatic effort that we've been seeing over the last weeks. But, of course, that implies that Putin de-escalates, that he changes course, that he drops his maximum demands that we've heard uh, and that are, of course, uh, Russia wants to ban the Ukraine from joining NATO, something that NATO won't accept. So we are really very much in a stalemate here right now, and it doesn't look like uh, things are getting clearer uh, as we speak. Uh, we're looking at that Russian troop uh, build up. So it's rather likely that we are seeing uh, the tensions um, getting more severe before we see any kind of de-escalation. Oliver Salat reporting tonight from Washington. Nick Connolly with the latest from Kiev. To both of you, gentlemen, thank you. And we want to take this story now to Poland. I'm joined now by Radoslaw Fogiel. He's a member of the Polish Parliament for the Governing Law and Justice Party. He joins me tonight from Warsaw. It's good to have you on the program. Let's just talk about numbers for a moment here. A thousand troops going to Poland from the United States. Is that just a drop in the bucket for you? Uh, good evening. It's a pleasure to uh, to be with you. Now, it's not uh, it's not a drop. It's um, extremely important from uh, our point of view, from the point of view of um, our uh, Central European allies. Uh, it shows the unity and strength of NATO 
the strengthening of uh, eastern flank in this situation is extremely important. Uh, we have uh, diplomatic talks uh, on one side, but on the other side, the ability, the deterrence ability of um, of Western allies is uh, extremely, extremely important. The U.S. says that these troops will not be going to fight in Ukraine. Uh, but in your opinion, is this the right time to be sending troops to, to Eastern Europe? I mean, there, there is the possibility that, that these moves could escalate instead of stabilize or de-escalate. Do you agree? I don't agree at all. Uh, and I would say there is uh, no better time than uh, right now uh, for, for uh, strengthening American presence on, uh, on the ground here uh, in, uh, in Europe, because we cannot uh, let us being taken hostage by the uh, Russians, by, by Putin's uh, propaganda and, and Putin's uh, aggressive uh, policy. We have to show our strength. We have to show our decisiveness. And uh, we cannot, as the West, as the alliance, we cannot be uh, backing off all the uh, time. The NATO policy of open doors is something that all uh, alliance members agree on. And uh, we have to send a very clear message to the Kremlin that uh, Ukraine's right to determine, determine its future, to uh, have its territory uh, complete and, and uh, free from any aggression is, is the key to proper yeah. relationships, the relationships between Russia and, and the West. And we know, Mr. Fogel, that Russia does not see it that way. We have the illegal annexation of Crimea as one example to prove that. I know your, your country shares a border with Ukraine. How big is the concern or the fear that if Russia were to invade Ukraine, that that military conflict could then spill over into Poland? Uh, we share a border not only with uh, Ukraine, but uh, with Russia itself as well. But most importantly, we share uh, hundreds of years of history with uh, Russia in its uh, different uh, forms. So we can we can talk uh, from our experience that uh, this uh, imperialistic politics uh, will be followed by by uh, Russian government uh, till it uh, it stops uh, it, till it is stopped by uh, by a very strong Western response. Uh, we all hoped for de-escalation, but uh, a show of strength and uh, the ability to uh, to respond is also extremely important when it comes to uh, to the uh, de-escalation possibilities. Uh, I still hope uh, that uh, this is just a power play from uh, from Vladimir Putin and that he won't um, uh, he won't attack Ukraine. But in this case, um, in this case. Well, I don't, uh, I don't uh, think uh, Poland would be threatened um, directly, but uh, our concerns, uh, the concerns of all the Baltic states uh, are uh, real because yes. uh, it may seem very different from uh, Paris, Berlin or Washington perspective. But uh, right here, 
on uh, on this part in this part of Europe, the uh, the, the the Russian threat is uh, is real. Yeah, and that's why it's very important that we hear views coming from countries such as Poland. Radoslav Fogiel, member of the Polish Parliament for the Governing Law and Justice Party. Mr. Fogiel, we appreciate your time and your insights tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here's a roundup now of some of the other stories that are making headlines this hour. The European Commission has given the green light for some nuclear energy and natural gas investments to be labeled as sustainable. Officials say private investment can contribute to climate change goals. But critics warn the legislation jeopardizes the target of achieving carbon neutrality by the year 2050. Austria says it is considering a legal challenge to the rule. Benny Gantz has become the first Israeli defense minister to visit Bahrain. It's the latest high-profile diplomatic trip since the country's normalized ties. Israel's reconciliation with several Arab nations broke with decades of Arab League consensus against recognizing Israel until it signs a peace agreement establishing a Palestinian state. The British government wasted 8.7 billion pounds, that's over 1,000 euros on unusable personal protective equipment during the first year of the pandemic. Now, that's according to health department accounts. The government says its approach was necessary to get PPE to the front lines. Israelis may soon be able to put away their vaccine passes. Israel was one of the first countries to introduce the pass, but beginning on Sunday, the pass will only be required in high-risk areas such as hospitals, where healthcare workers are battling record COVID-19 infections. Since the early morning, Yael Liron has been on duty on a COVID ward. An elderly patient needs oxygen and some comforting words. The COVID wards at this hospital in Tel Aviv are extremely busy. There are a lot of cases. We have new intakes every day. When one is released, another is submitted at night. Numbers are on the rise. We always experience a delay. Even when the general infection rate seems lower, we at the hospital are still dealing with the higher numbers from the two weeks previously. Though overall Omicron infection rates show signs of slowing down, the number of patients in hospital remains high. Israel was one of the first countries in the world to roll out a rapid vaccination program. Over 65% of the population have been vaccinated twice, but only 48% have had a third booster shot so far. In January, those in the most vulnerable categories were offered a fourth. During this wave, most of our patients have been elderly. It reminds us of the flu. The complications are comparable. People are dying now the way they would die from the flu. Also, fewer people are dying of Omicron. 
Most patients on this ward are vaccinated elderly people with underlying health conditions. Working on the ward is exhausting for everyone. Adding to this, hospitals, like other institutions, are struggling with staff shortages. Due to the highly contagious Omicron variant, high numbers of doctors and nurses are in quarantine. It's difficult. It's the fifth time we've been at full capacity here in Israel, but we're dealing with it. That's just how it is, as they say, and it's our job to look after patients. But it's definitely hard, and there's a lot of burnout among the staff. We have to work very hard, but we're happy to do what's necessary. But yes, it's exhausting, and it doesn't look like it's going to end soon. Although, I am personally cautiously optimistic. For now, everybody here must keep going, doing the best they can for the ongoing influx of patients and hoping that the peak of the current wave will soon subside. Well, earlier, I spoke with Nadav Davidovich, an epidemiologist who sits on an expert panel advising the Israeli government on COVID-19. He told us why the government decided to ditch the vaccine pass for places such as restaurants and bars. The Green Pass actually was introduced uh, in order to have uh, safe epidemiological spaces. Uh, it was not introduced in order to enforce vaccinations. Vaccinations are extremely important. They saved in Israel, according to our estimates, about 20,000 deaths. Um, but currently, with the Omicron and uh, with the fact that uh, people vaccinated uh, um, they are saved probably from uh, hospitalizations and uh, death, but much less so uh, in being infected. So we need to adapt uh, the Green Pass. Uh, we don't want to abolish it uh, altogether. We want to keep it uh, also for the future if needed. And uh, currently probably this is best to have it either as a voluntary measure or when uh, you have high risk situations such as hospitals, elderly care homes, or uh, other uh, high-risk uh, activities. Um, vaccinations are very, very important. Uh, we are now in a really unprecedented situation and we need to adapt uh, the current measures uh, to the epidemiology. Uh, we need to vaccinate, we need to still use the mask, of course. And um, I think that uh, by the fact that we are adapting the Green Pass, it's very important also from uh, the trust of the public. And that was Nadav Davidovich speaking with us earlier. Here's a roundup now of some of the other stories that are making headlines this hour. At least 26 people have been killed in the Democratic Republic of Congo after a high-voltage power cable snapped and fell. It happened on the outskirts of the capital, Kinshasa. Authorities say the cable hit homes in a market, killing several people by electrocution. The U.S. actor and TV talk show host, Whoopi Goldberg, has been suspended by... The ABC network following her remarks about Jews and the Holocaust. Goldberg said that the Holocaust was, quote, not about race, but about man's inhumanity to man. She later apologized after a fierce backlash. Germany and the U.S. have rejected the word apartheid in connection with Israel. Amnesty International published a report accusing Israel of practicing segregation, dispossession and exclusion against Palestinians. Amnesty says its findings are based on the seizure of Palestinian land and the forcible transfer of people. 
Israel has rejected the report. Amnesty was a respected organization. Even before Friday's official opening, the Beijing Winter Olympics, they are mired in controversy. Concerns about human rights abuses and the high number of coronavirus cases threaten to overshadow the Games. Almost 3,000 athletes will be competing for glory, but some are worried that the competitions, the, the actual sports, are at risk of becoming a sideshow. Billions have been invested into making sure Beijing 2022 is successful. Sports fans can enjoy over 100 events across a range of disciplines. But the build-up to these games has been about so much more than sport. Politics, for instance. Some nations have declared a diplomatic boycott over human rights issues, including the US and Great Britain. They will send competitors, but no ministers or officials. Environmental concerns have also been raised, with organisers reportedly spraying more than a million cubic metres of artificial snow onto competition sites. China has been criticised over the impact of this process. Meanwhile, organisers have threatened athletes with punishments for any behaviour or expression that they deem to be in breach of Chinese law, and will expect the IOC to rigorously enforce its own rules limiting protests. In the Olympic Charter, there are very strict rules. So for the medal ceremonies and during the competitions, they cannot express their opinions. But at other occasions, like at press conferences or during interviews, the athletes are free to express their opinions. But they need to be responsible for what they say. Due to COVID, athletes and journalists will be kept in secure bubbles, while no spectator tickets will be sold to the public. Organisers say health and safety are paramount. Of course, COVID countermeasures are still on top of our agenda. We have been taking effective measures and everything is under control. Without a safe games, there would be no games. So we will make sure that the health and safety of all participants is our top priority. More than 30 new COVID cases were reported to Olympic authorities on Wednesday alone. And as many feared, athletes are seeing their preparation disrupted by tight quarantining rules. After coming into contact with someone who tested positive last week, Belgian skeleton racer Kim Melemans has shared the distress this has caused her on social media. Some of you have read the good news that I was uh, sent out of the isolation facility. We thought this meant I was allowed to return to the Olympic Village and will be treated maximum as a close contact. Um, on the way to the village, uh, we did not turn to the village, but the ambulance went to another facility where I am now. The IOC has since promised to return Melamans to the Olympic Village, but such distressing episodes could have consequences on performances. As expected, the pandemic is proving to be one of many headaches for organisers of Beijing 2022. Colombia is facing a dilemma over what to do, you see them behind me, dozens of hippos. The animals were brought there by the notorious drug lord Pablo Escobar. 
He was killed by police almost 30 years ago, and since then, a growing population of the pachyderm, well, it's been taking over the countryside near his former ranch. Our reporter traveled to Medellin in Colombia to discover why scientists and activists are divided over how to deal with the animals. A legacy of drug kingpin Pablo Escobar and a problem that has grown over the years. Colombia's hippos, now the largest population outside of Africa, which is their natural habitat. The so-called king of cocaine brought four of the pachyderms to his ranch. They've now multiplied to more than 90 and are causing havoc. They like it here, especially in high summer when the hippos gather. They swim out there and then reappear somewhere else. They rammed my boat and tipped it over because you can't see them at night. The males aren't so aggressive, but one hit my boat with a big bang. The hippos in Colombia are now the subject of public debate. Animal rights activists insist that the large mammals are completely innocent. But environmentalists criticize the effects the hippos have on the ecosystem and the indigenous fauna. Scientists support an end to the hippos. It sounds rather harsh, but we must clearly state that it must be done. I think that we from the academy must be able to explain why this must be done, even if no one is happy about it. No one wants to kill the hippos. But it's the lesser of two evils in this scenario. The environmental agency has started with harmless birth control, a contraceptive that works with both male and female hippos. The medicine, donated by U.S. animal welfare authorities, is given by injection. Now we must wait and see how the medicine works. Then we'll know if it really will lead to fewer calves. But young hippos often disappear even without medication. The semi-aquatic animals have achieved a kind of cult status among people who wish to imitate Pablo Escobar. Two of the little ones have already been taken away. They were sold. There are a lot of rich people in this country who want to have something like this. The last young hippo was brought to a man who is said to be very powerful. So now there's a market for these exotic animals in Colombia, and they lack natural enemies. That's why this is the largest hippo population outside of Africa, where they are indigenous. You watch DW News. Coming up next on Conflict Zone, Tim Sebastian turns the spotlight on one of Russia's top foreign policy experts. I'll see you again at the top of the hour.
Enter the Conflict Zone with Tim Sebastian. There's mounting international concern over tens of thousands of Russian troops dug in along the border with Ukraine. We talked this week to a respected foreign policy analyst in Moscow, Fyodor Lukyanov. Has the West misunderstood Russia's position? And just how dangerous is the current situation? Conflict Zone. Next on DW. Learn German with DW at any time and in any place using news, video novellas. Ich habe eine Zusage für das Praktikum. Songs to sing along to. Sie ist der Komparativ vom Superlativ. Man sieht sie oft in ihrem Duden vertieft. And interactive exercises. Everything is online, mobile and interactive. Learn German for free with DW. Sometimes a seed is all you need to allow big ideas to grow. We're bringing environmental conservation to life with Learning Packs by Global Ideas. We will show you how climate change and environmental conservation is taking shape around the world and how we can all make a difference. Knowledge grows through sharing. Download it now for free 